What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs locked on Dolphins. It is power to the pod. Anything and everything that you guys want to talk about, it's our weekly mailbag. So let's go ahead and dive into the deep end and figure out what's on Dolphins fans' minds everywhere as we get ready for week 10 of the 2022 regular season. You are locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, guys? Kyle Krabs, Locked On Dolphins, your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Today is the Wednesday, November 9th, 2022 edition of the show. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. If you're unfamiliar with yours truly, welcome to Locked On Dolphins. Lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. I'm the co-founder of DraftNetwork.com, and I'm very excited today to let you guys do all the heavy lifting, and you guys get to decide what it is that we are talking about here today on the show. It's Power of the Pod, the mailbag, clever podcast, Dolphins Pod. We're all a big family in this together, right? You know, I thought it was a clever little pun uh, when I cooked it up, but then again, I'm a dad in these dad puns and and such might miss the mark but uh it's the best i got so hope you guys don't mind as we dive in here so we have a bunch of reviews we have a bunch of social media questions i got a couple different screens up uh with all different kinds of submissions and we are going to work through as many of them as we possibly can over the course of the next 30 minutes or so so sit back relax pour yourself a glass of whatever and let's go. Let's talk about our Miami Dolphins, the six and three Miami Dolphins with a chance to go to seven and three for the first time since 2001 with a home game against the Cleveland Browns this weekend. Tim Trebo left our first review question. Love the pod. Love your insight with Liam. Likely done. An immediate replacement is needed. How would you feel about a reunion with Eric Flowers, who is currently a free agent, only 28, and had one of his best seasons with the Dolphins? If not him, who? Um, so Eric Flowers is a player, in my mind, who is a much better fit for what the Dolphins used to be up front, which is more of a gap uh, system. So two different kinds of zone, of rushing ideologies. You know, Largely, there's, there's zone rushing, which is we're going to flow and allow defenders to declare themselves into gaps and then let the back cut off of them. And then there's gap, which is we are going to displace defenders against their own will, no questions asked, and create a hole with our ability to move bodies at the point of attack. Flowers is much more the latter than the former, um, and Miami is very much a former these days. Uh, so I don't think that's a great... Um, that's a great fit. Uh, what's Mackenzie Alexander up to these days is the, the follow-up from, from Tim Trebo and Mac uh, signed, was injured, placed on IR, and, and therefore, unfortunately, is unless they cut him and have an injury settlement and then they make a new contract, that would be the only way uh, in which Mackenzie Alexander would be able to play uh, this season. You would have to release him from his contract, he's on IR. Uh, the injury, I, I do not know the specifics of the injury, but it has sounded like it's a season ender regardless. So an unfortunate situation for uh, Mackenzie Alexander. Of course, that was one of the swings of the bat that Chris Greer took to add the necessary veteran depth 
to that corner room in the first place. Uh, lawn, lawn order. I don't know if it's supposed to be law mm, order, like law and order with just an N or lawn, like your backyard order. I don't know, but uh, his question, his or her question, I should say. We need to keep this team intact and use the draft for offensive line and defensive back depth. Maybe another linebacker. I know everyone keeps wanting to trade Gusecki, but he keeps catching touchdowns at the right time. Find a way to pay this man Wilkins and keep this team together for another offseason to grow and get better. Tell me I'm wrong. Uh, parentheses, fourth quarter against the Lions, uh, which I think that catch came like right in the final minute of the third quarter, technically, but I know exactly what you're talking about. At some point, you're going to have a hard time paying everybody, right? It's a great problem to have. Oh, no, we have too many good players. We can't pay everybody. But if you told me that it was a matter of Mike versus Christian Wilkins, which one are you taking? I'm taking Christian 10 times out of 10. If it's a matter of Mike or having the flexibility to retain... I don't know who's another key player. Uh, Duke Riley and Nick Needham, just as examples. I would take the guys on the defensive side of the ball. The volume that Mike gets these days and his lack of correlation to what, how many times are we going to listen to Mike McDaniel in a, a weekly press conference talk about how the tight ends are an extension of the offensive line? He said that on Monday after the game against the Bears. He said the tight ends are an extensions of the offensive line. So I get Mike has had success with this team in the past, and I get Mike has made some big-time catches this year. Yeah, it's part of the resume. But every time I hear this coach talk, he alludes to the tight ends being the things that Mike is not necessarily having as the hallmarks of his game. So that, that's where I choose to land on it. I'm not telling you that you're wrong. Um, but if you, if you have names on the chopping block and you can't afford to pay everybody because you've, you've accelerated your timeline with the investments that you've made across the rest of the roster and the, the Bradley Chubb contract, Mike's not going to be a priority name for me personally. And it's not because I don't think he's a good player. I think he is a good player, uh, but I don't think his strengths necessarily align with ideology, ideologically what they would like the tight end room to be. MK, Kyle loved the podcast. Can we talk about the absolute dimes Tua was throwing on Sunday? He absolutely carved the Lions defense up with precision passes. I think this is absolutely um, translatable to this past weekend against Chicago as well. Everybody's going to talk about the last couple throws, right? Like the Durham Smythe throw, the Jalen Waddle double move at the end of the game to ice the game. I hate that those were two of the last throws that we got from Tua because it changed the entire perception of the performance in itself which was a really, really strong performance yet again from Tua Tungvaloa, and there was a lot of good, a lot of rhythm, a lot of accuracy, a lot of good manipulation of his eyes and his helmet to move defenders. Really stood out to me as areas of, continue to stand out to me, I should say, as areas of growth for Tua Tungvaloa. We have a scouting question from chat, but before we get there, have an analogy for you guys. Imagine your house in football is like the end zone and you want to have the best defense that you possibly can to protect 
your loved ones, and your turf. Did you know that over the holidays, property crimes like burglaries and package theft spike nationally? That's why our friends at Simply Safe Home Security are offering 50% off their award-winning security system so that more families can feel safe and secure this holiday season. Order your Simply Safe system for half off today and enjoy the advanced security and greater peace of mind that comes with that this holiday season. Simply Safe is a whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, with HD security cameras for inside and out, with 24 7 professional monitoring service that costs less than a dollar a day. It's less than half the price of ADT's traditional professionally installed system. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system that I would recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL today. This is their biggest discount of the year, so do not wait. That is simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL because there is no safe like Simply Safe. Chad's question. Two scouting type questions for you. One. Can you explain the difference between a hand-in-the-dirt defensive end and a blitzing outside linebacker? And why is Jalen Phillips more effective as one or the other? Second, the unsung hero of the offense is Teron Armstead. When in the game, he eliminates any pressure or rush to his side of the ball. If you were Chris Greer, who's a small school right tackle prospect that you would be looking at on day two of the 2023 NFL Draft. That is a couple of great questions. As far as what you would like in a 4-3 defensive end versus a 3-4 rush linebacker. Usually the rush linebackers are a little leaner. Uh, I think that's what makes a guy like Jalen and a guy like Bradley Chubb pretty unique is they're guys that are both floating around in the 260s, 270s. Uh, and they the, but they still have the explosiveness and the flexibility through their frame to rush from a two-point stance as stand-up outside linebackers. That usually comes with wider angles which is what makes that explosiveness really important because you're starting from further away. So you need to close that distance and really stress those tackles upfield. Whereas the guys who put their hand in the dirt are more traditionally the guys that have a lot of power in their hands so that they can, when they, they throw their hands, they can jolt blockers and create displacement and um, roll their momentum through first contact to then create a softer angle to continue to pursue to the quarterback. Usually the defensive ends who are hand in the dirt are a little bit better at some of the gap control stuff that you typically see with um, the Dolphins defense, the gap control stuff. So I'll, I'll give you a couple of players on the Dolphins defense. Emmanuel Agba is more traditionally a hand in the dirt defensive end. Andrew Van Ginkle is more of a rush linebacker. What makes Phillips and Chubb really appealing players is they have the power and the size and the physicality to play the Emmanuel Agba role, but they have the explosiveness that matches what Andrew Van Ginkle has. I'm not yet up to school on my small school right tackle, so I'm going to ask you to come back, leave another review, wink, wink, nudge, 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 and uh, ask me that again. Um, Finkel. Jalen Phillips gets held more than any pass rusher I've ever seen, and it is never called. <laughs> is this something you've noticed, or am I just being a homer? I also have concerns about the job Josh Boyer is doing. He's great at making in-game adjustments, but hasn't seemed capable of formulating a successful game plan to open the game. We get put in the hole every week because of it. I see guys like Raekwon getting snaps in situations you wouldn't expect him to be in, like second and 12. 
And we put Steeler against tackles a lot more than I would expect. Don't get me started on Roberts. Do you have concerns about Boyer given the choice? Would you change the defensive system that we run? Not right now. Um, I think the analogy that I've used is you, you're aiming for a moving target, right? Because every time you feel like you, you figure personnel, there's another dynamic change that comes with the personnel, whether that's, oh, well, we'll have Byron Jones for the start of the year. No, you don't. You're going to lose two more corners in the process from the time training camp ends to the time the actual season starts. Well, that sucks. So we work on that. And then we just kind of have the attrition. Nick Needham goes down. Brandon Jones goes down. Bradley Chubb comes in. I thought defensively for the first, I guess the first month, the Dolphins were in pretty good shape. I thought they they did a really good job against uh, Cincinnati on Thursday Night Football until Xavier Howard went down. They'd given up like 19 points or something like that. And then Howard goes down and you don't have Jones or Howard. And that's when Chase hits your big play. And, and then you throw an interception that sets Cincinnati up in scoring range. Uh, Buffalo was bend, but don't break, but a really good masterclass as far as a strategy. The New England game to start the year was really good masterclass. Uh, Baltimore was uh, too many explosive plays in a kickoff that was run back for a touchdown. That's that's not on Josh Boyer, right? Uh, but you look at Rashad Bateman had one catch where Xavier Howard, quite frankly, kind of let himself down with his fundamentals. And you had a linebacker who did not get up over the top against a QB run against a 4-3 athlete in Lamar Jackson. So that's 21 points out of uh, the what, 38 that you conceded on a special teams play and two explosive 70 plus yard scores that are simple mistakes that come down to execution. So then you kind of go through the attrition and, and then you have the Pittsburgh game and they don't have any corners and they see, they seem to find something. And then the following week comes out and Detroit once upon a time, the first four weeks of the season was the top scoring offense in football. I'm not too mad that Detroit scored some points and they shut them out in the second half. As far as starting the game, yeah, it's a concern. Tackling the open field is a concern. And mixing strategies, I'll be interested to see if that continues to evolve, but I think they're going to be selective. And it really felt like against Detroit, they said, hey, or against Chicago, and, and quite frankly, Detroit as well, they said, hey, we can match these guys in main coverage. We're going to play more man. They still played a fair amount of zone, but they played more man than I expected. And what Chicago did was Chicago ran a lot of three-man route concepts. So they, they left extra players in. And I think what the Dolphins did in, the, in response to that is we're playing man coverage at a higher rate and they're not releasing everybody out in the route. So we're going to add those players onto the pass rush plan. And it takes bodies in, out of space. And then that's where Justin Fields really capitalized and took advantage. So um, I am sympathetic to the challenges that the Dolphins have received, and I think their issues are more on execution right now and simp like simple little fixes than it is these glaring deficiencies in the midst of what has just been like a constant curve of change and flux on who you have at your disposal. So, no, I would not advocate for firing Josh Boyer right now. Uh, this one from Dark Sky. It came before the Bears game. But his question, and, and I'm actually glad you invoked this name. My first regular season game since the loss to the Panthers in 2017 when Jay Cutler was our quarterback. Um, 
My question is with the loss of Roquan Smith, how significant of a loss do you deem that to be for the Bears? Um, if I may shamelessly plug a Dolphins Facebook group that I have set up for Chicago-based fans, it's Finns Fans Chicago, semicolon Miami Dolphins. Check us out. Little plug from Skyler. Um, how did Roquan Smith do? And I'll, I'll invoke this because I remember Roquan Smith being a name that was attached to the Dolphins as far as Dolphins fans having an interest in the preseason for trading for Roquan Smith. And I would like to say if the, if the going rate of Roquan Smith was potentially costing you the addition of Bradley Chubb, you could trade for one. I would take Bradley Chubb 12 times out of 10 on which one player you could add to this Dolphins defense. Um, Smith certainly hurt. The Bears, Jack Sanborn was a player that the Dolphins had a lot of success attacking with their shift in motion and routes crossing over the middle of the field. Uh, but I thought the Dolphins really hit their rhythm with how they they chose to. Um, ch they gave a little bit more variety versus Detroit, like they kept running post-wheel flat RPO. And Miami probably ran it five times against Chicago, but it was not the bludgeoning and death and the same concept that it was against uh, Detroit just because Detroit refused to change their coverage shell. Uh, but I think that's what makes this performance from Tua Tagovailoa a little bit more impressive is it wasn't, wow, oh my God, they're going to stay in cover three or Tampa two again. You got a lot more. You got some more exotic looks. Now, the talent for Chicago is not quite where it needs to be to really be a competitive roster right now defensively. But I thought they gave you a more different looks for me to appreciate the performance and the execution. Fantasky, longtime listener, Byron Jones talking point. I'm starting to think there's a more, there's more going on behind the scenes than just an injury. I'm wondering if he is unhappy with the way Miami handled Xavier's contract demands to give him more money than Byron. And Byron is using his injury as a way to hold himself out and get out of Miami after the season. I've pretty much given up on seeing him play for the Dolphins this season. Thoughts? Yeah. I have no evidence that would, would support that this is the case. Um, I know we had a chance to see Byron Jones in the preseason, and it appeared as though there was some significant atrophy in his lower leg for the Achilles injury that he had. And one of the coworkers that I have at Draft Network, Ray, tore his Achilles uh, over the summertime, and I, I've seen firsthand what kind of toll that takes on your body. Um these are finely, finely tuned athletes and, and they're like exotic race cars, right? Where everything's got to be tuned right. So I'm, I'm sympathetic to Byron's situation. It does suck. Uh, I certainly wish he was out here with the team. I, I wouldn't go so far as to make any assumptions as far as, especially because Byron Jones is like a, uh, he's somebody you would want in every single locker room across the NFL. His, his reputation speaks for itself as far as who he is as a leader uh, and somebody in the community and he brings a lot of good. So I'd be very surprised if he uh, was so upset by Xavier Howard getting a well-deserved raise that he would kind of put his foot in the ground, no pun intended, I guess, and um, kind of use this as a, a manipulation tactic in any capacity. I, I don't think that's necessarily what's going on here. I just think it's an un unfortunate set of circumstances that nobody really banked on for the Dolphins. Whether you're looking to pop the question, have a milestone to celebrate, or want to let your love sparkle, Blue Nile can help you make your celebrations even more memorable. As the original online jeweler, Blue Nile offers the largest selection of independently graded diamonds and pieces priced significantly below traditional retailers. Blue Nile has helped millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring. Their easy online tools let you choose the diamond shape, 
size and clarity as well as the setting style. If you're looking for a piece of fine jewelry to commemorate a special milestone, but having trouble choosing? Blue Niles has jewelry experts on hand 24-7 available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift for every budget. Make your moment sparkle with Blue Nile. Go to BlueNile.com and use code LOCKEDON to save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more. That is B-L-U-E-N-I-L-E.com, code LOCKEDON, to save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more. BlueNile.com slash LOCKEDON. We got a couple more. Uh, we got a bunch more, actually. Okay, we got to speed this thing up here. Doug and Giselle. Leave it on. A++ review. Rarely miss a show. Now that Chubb is here, Miami will sign into a long-term contract, which is, is already done. What does that mean for Christian Wilkins? I would hate to see him walk because Miami can't afford another big contract. Really love, would really rather Miami show love to their own. Thanks. I wouldn't worry about it. Uh, Christian is on pace to play this year on the, or next year, 2023 on the fifth year option. That is fully guaranteed money. So I'll try and talk a little bit through here, how, how the salary cap works. So the dolphins are locked in to pay Christian Wilkins right around $10 million next year of fully guaranteed money. And as it currently stands, that is divided across 18 weeks or however many weeks, I think it includes the off season. And, he received a, a weekly payment of the portioned out part of the $10 million. And whether he's cut, whether he's traded, he will receive that next year from whatever team he is on. But what the Dolphins can do from a salary cap perspective is they can sign Christian Wilkins to a contract extension this offseason and say, okay, we are contractually obligated to give you $10 million. I'm just going to use the round number because it's easier that way. Instead of dividing that all out, why don't we actually pay you $15 million this year in the first year of a new contract? $12 million of that is paid to you at signing when you put pen to paper. The other $3 million is your salary that is then divided up and paid out throughout the entirety of the year. The way the salary cap works is I can take that $3 million and divide it out, and you're responsible for that in 2023 cap. But you can take the $12 million that you paid him instead of the 10, and you can divide that cap hit up across all of his seasons. So let's say they sign Christian Wilkins to hypothetically a four-year contract extension. Instead of being responsible for $10 million a cap in one year, if you pay him the $12 million signing bonus and he gets paid 15 in total, $3 million that he's responsible for that is his salary for the year, and then one-fourth of the $12 million that he received at signing. And then each of the remaining years of the contract is the other fourth of that $12 million. So you could sign him to an extension, pay him more money in cash in 2023. But in this hypothetical, instead of $10 million, it would be $6 million, one fourth of 12 million, which was the signing bonus. And then the $3 million salary. So Christian Wilkins gets more money the Dolphins get to divide up the salary cap space and they save $4 million against the 2023 cap by signing Christian Wilkins to a contract extension. It's a big strategy tool and it's something the Dolphins will have in their back pocket that I think they'll take advantage of with Christian Wilkins for sure. But that's why I'm not concerned about a new contract. But you know, as you look at 2024 and 2025, well then, yeah, you're going to have to look at who are players that are under contract. Byron Jones, 
Emmanuel Lagba. And who are those players that you can transition away from and save against the salary cap that you didn't pay 20 something million dollars to four years ago that you're still got to pay out two years left of whatever that prorated amount was. So I hope that helps from a, a Wilkins perspective, but that's why I'm not too concerned about his status moving forward for the team. Uh, Cushing Canes. Kyle been really fascinated with the way Mike McDaniel uses motion and personnel to get players that excel at blocking like Ingold out in front of our speedy receivers on the outside to create opportunities for additional yardage. I know you watch the tape. Do you think this is something other teams will start to pick up on? So I wanted to give some love to Ingold in general. Dude is a baller. Love watching him play. Yes, I agree. Um, you can, to some degree, you can know that it's coming, but this is where it's important to have the checks within your system. You know, you can come out in the same look and you can have the same play called, but if defenses cheat to accommodate for that, this, this offense largely has a lot of opportunities in the line of scrimmage to kill plays or adjust plays uh, to go where the defense is not. So a lot of play calls have an automatic adjustment that's baked into it where if they see it coming, then yeah, we'll go over the top of it. But that's, that's where it's important to layer things. So yeah, maybe one Alec Ingold on a bunch of these ends up running across and picking off a corner to create a block. Well, one of these times, and I know they've already done this once this year, they ran it out of an I formation out of the backfield. You're going to go play action pass, and he is going to go straight past that corner, and Alec Ingle is going to run downfield. And if they cheat it and they try and jump it, and it's not actually the block, it's the route, you're going to have a big play. So having those little things to keep it honest in addition to the checks at the line of scrimmage, I think are the ways that the, the Dolphins are successful in avoiding the um, – the, the cheating, so to speak, as, as cheating on plays. Uh, man who can't even play. Uh, awesome work on the trade deadline show. Very excited to see the defense get help. Also excited to get Jeff Wilson. Think he will be a great fit in the backfield. Uh, when is Byron Jones due back? Is there a clear timeline yet? No. Mike McDaniel on Monday said there is no change on the status for Byron Jones, which is a buzzer uh, bummer and hopefully we get some looks um at a different different report from coach mcdaniel in the weeks ahead really looking at this uh this bye week in week 11 uh it's because that's gonna be a long time without dolphins football uh, gunslinger eagles undefeated season or bill's super bowl this was one of the ones that was asked last week that i passed on and we had somebody um who responded with what they think. I'm 46 years old. I've been a Finns fan since the early Marino years. I appreciate what the Dolphins undefeated team did, but I have no connection to that team. Probably one of the few Miami fans that is exhausted by the whole cork popping waiting game every season. I want a team not in the AFC East to go undefeated and put it to bed. Thanks so much for the great pot every day. Okay. So we got at least one Dolphins fan out there that would say, if you had the undefeated Eagles playing the bills in the Super Bowl, give me the birds. What about you? What do you think? Um, another one from Finkel. We got two more. Okay. You mentioned before about how your process of receiving power to the pod reviews, how they take multiple days to get to you. This can be frustrating as times as now at least half of your questions regularly come from the previous week. I'm going to use a Kyle Krabs term and say, this is bad process. Is there anything that can be done so that there's a known cutoff for them to get to you that week and can, and that can cut off point, not be Sunday. Can't tell you how many times I'm about to send something in on Monday morning 
And I don't because I know it won't get to you till the following week. This post isn't meant to insult you. No one, no insult taken, but hoping we can get a better process for back and forth communication. Well, I'll put this back on you. This is, after all, power to the pod, and it's, it's all of your show just as much as it is mine, especially on Wednesdays. Does anybody in the pod, the, the Dolphins family here, does anybody know an easy way to collect questions that would allow for a more timely deliverance for more topical talking points? I will say, I'll give you guys credit this week. There was only one... Uh, that was behind the sticks, so to speak. And the last one comes from Hare Bale. 2020 was an interesting year. What's up, Kyle? Been rewatching the 2020 season recently, and the off-season, in-season acquisitions are just night and day compared to this year. But let's play the game of who you would want more. Obviously, we got hindsight right now, but still interesting thought experiment. <sighs> Eric Flowers or Teron Armstead? Teron Armstead. Matt Breida and Jordan Howard or Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert? Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. Lawson, Van Noy, and Agba or Chubb and Ingram? Chubb and Ingram. Karras or Connor Williams? Connor Williams. They also have brought in Byron Jones, Elena Robertson, Kamu Bruje hill Clayton Fejlum, and Kayvon Frazier, but there's no comparative players in 2022, so I'm putting them up against our new Mr. Hill and Mr. Wilson. Poses the questions. What was Flores cooking? I have a lot of thoughts on uh, the offensive ideology of the Brian Flores led Miami Dolphins that we'll get into at some point, maybe on the bye. Um, but yeah, I think you you bring up some great points here. Um, the per from a personnel standpoint, the Dolphins have been all a lot more aces often. Now you could still question the Cedric Wilson signing. You could still question the Mike Kosecki franchise tag. There are going to be questions, right? There always are. But with the benefit of hindsight, I think you look back at these additions versus the ones from that 2020 year, and you feel pretty good about the direction of offensive football for the Miami Dolphins. Hope you guys enjoyed. Power to the pod. Fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins, your team every day. Appreciate you guys carving some time out of your day to listen to the show. Make it a great rest of your Wednesday. Talk with you all again tomorrow.